You're listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 83. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Amazon bestselling author Vince Milam. Vince has lived all over the world, including the Amazon, Congo, Papua New Guinea, all the while capturing the sights, sounds, and personalities that are now incorporated into his writing. Vince has uh, four uh, books out so far in his Case Lead uh, series, uh, doing very well. So we'll talk to him about his writing, world travel, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for the uh, latest episode of the podcast. Before we get to the interview, I would like to talk to you for a moment about Masterclass over at thrillingweeds.com forward slash masterclass, which offers online classes taught by the world's greatest minds. You can learn how to write best-selling uh, thrillers from uh, James Patterson and Dan Brown, learn the art of storytelling from Neil Gaiman, guitar from Carlos Santana, filmmaking from Martin Scorsese and David Lynch, acting from Natalie Portman, comedy from Steve Martin, magic from Penn and & Teller, and it just goes on and on with an amazing lineup of over 60 instructors. You can access uh, one at, at a time or get an all-access pass, which is what I got. And by signing up via my affiliate link at thrillingweeds.com forward slash masterclass, you are supporting this podcast. So I thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Alan with Meet the Thriller Author. And on the phone, I have uh, Vince Milam, who is an Amazon bestselling author. Really excited to talk to him about him today. Uh, Vince, how are you doing today? Doing great, Alan. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for uh, being on the podcast here. Appreciate it. Um, so I was reading on your bio that you've lived all over the world. The Amazon, the Congo, uh, uh, Papua New Guinea. New Guinea? <laughs> can, yep. can you tell us a little bit about your background? It's fascinating. Sure. I uh, was in the geophysical for a little over 20 years. And part of that, a big part of that, was going to parts of the world where we were doing seismic explorations. And it was just a great great job. I was able to live and work in over 20 countries around the world and uh, had some great adventures. Uh, I thought often in the course of that, uh, you know, I ought to write some of these down because some of this is really fun. Now, Alan, I was young and dumb at the time. I, I wouldn't recommend that lifestyle to anyone unless they are young and full of themselves, but it was uh, uh, fairly adventure-packed from time to time. As an example, I the first uh, Case Lee book I wrote is called A Suriname Job, and when I was working a job in Suriname, they had a coup down there, and it was one of those deals where you wake up to the sound of automatic gunfire, and you always wonder okay, is this a coup, or did the national soccer team just win a game, or what's going on? Well, it turned out to be a coup, and so I was having to work that job in the midst of the revolution, and I just so distinctly remember I needed a helicopter pilot uh, for a specific task, and there were none available except for a mercenary (laughs) who was working for the current president there and so I asked around I said we're going to find this guy and they said well he lives in the finest bordello in Paramaribo I thought great so this is where I've got to go to find him and but I did and contracted him to do a quick side job for me 
and it was little adventures like that that uh, you know that wasn't my finest moment going into a, a, a house of ill repute to recruit a mercenary helicopter pilot. <laughs> Nonetheless, it was it added uh, a good opportunity to capture that and other events like that, and then uh, bring them to life in these case lease stories. Yeah, that's so fascinating because most of us have to make up all that stuff. You actually, <laughs> seems like you actually lived it. Oh, it was, you know, it was amazing and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it also introduced me uh, to this sort of shadow world that's out there, that's the clandestine world, espionage, spies, mercenaries. Um, and I'd brush up against these folks in different parts of the world at different times. I remember Angola and West Africa, and they were going through a civil war over there, and I was trying to do a job, would run into a variety uh, of clandestine players and got to know a few of them from several different countries and and also it gave me a feel for that world that we don't see typically that we rarely brush against it is a shadow world it's working in the background and the motivations and the leverage points that they always focus on and it gave me a lot of insight and how that world works and so it anyway it just was a rich background and uh afforded me the opportunity to use us as platforms to write these these novels yeah so can you tell us a little bit then about your novels about the the uh, case lee series you have uh, four books out so far right well i wanted one of the things i was so fortunate with uh when I was living and working around the world, uh, some of the folks I worked with that were on my team were former former special forces guys, special ops out of the U.S. military, and I was honored to work with them. Amazing guys, very very bright, smart, tough guys, but they also had the normal human qualities, the emotions, the frailties, the, uh, everything that the rest of us all have, all, although those folks clearly have some very special skills they bring to the table. But I wanted to have a protagonist, a hero, who worked through these various action-adventure espionage tales that not only had those special skills that he could engage at any time with, but also someone who could, that demonstrated a very human side, that had a lot of angst over some of his actions and doubts and concerns. Uh, I also wanted him to show us his uh, very human side in, in the Case Lee series. He does have a mom and a younger sister, his younger sister's mentally challenged, and she provides him a, a, a lodestone, for lack of a better term. Someone, when he visits, she points out the small, everyday miracles that help uh, ground Casely and let him come back out of this chaos and mayhem that he lives in, come back to, 
to a more grounded existence as to what's important in life. So I wanted to paint a picture of a, of a hero that was not just this person of, of action, but also someone, a uh, person of reflection. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. The readers, I'm very fortunate, uh, the readers comment on that quite a bit, and I'm very appreciative of their comments and, of course, of them being readers. So, Case has an adventure. The first book is uh, The Suriname Job, uh, set in the small South American country of Suriname, which is Dutch. The official language is Dutch, a very small country. The second one is The New Guinea Job. I lived over in Papua New Guinea, for a couple of years doing a long engagement over there. And then the third one's the Caribbean job. I do love the Caribbean. I've been fortunate enough to do some work out there. And the fourth one is, that just got released, is the Amazon job. Uh, when I had an apartment in Rio de Janeiro and worked up in the Amazon basin quite a bit, in cases working with a Swiss uh, scientist, they're called bioprospectors. They go out for pharmaceutical companies and try and find organic corn compounds that can uh, be distilled into life-saving drugs. And uh, a horrific discoveries made by one of the bioprospector and case pursues her through the Amazon, into Rio, and back to the States. Um, and I've really enjoyed writing that one. It, it, it helps, I think, Alan, to be able to add some texture to these tales from having been there and lived there and worked there. Sort of the sights, sounds, and smells of these different environments. Yeah, I could just imagine, instead of having to just... Uh search everything on the <laughs> on the computer or do a google search you you going back from uh, from your actual memory of being there so that's a i think that's a as a nice touch to the to your to your novels well it is and i you know like we all do uh, there are some google searches of course i'll yeah. do for certain areas but then it's weird when you do reflect on that stuff and i'm i guess we're all the same alan there's little vignettes that stick out uh, you know, New Guinea, it was the dog on leeches. I don't know why, but man, I just hated those leeches. And they were everywhere up the Kiunga River and the Fly River tributaries. And then um, in the Amazon, for example, I, a little vignette that I had to put in the book, I, I remember after the end of the day, work was shut down uh, from the base camp on the banks of one of the rivers there, uh, I'd take a boat out and go fishing. And I was fishing in this uh, lagoon, sort of lily pad filled lagoon, and uh, howler monkeys working the treetops and causing a ruckus, and they finally shut up, and it was getting near sunset, and it was so nice and quiet. And there was this blowing noise right next to me in this little boat, and I was miles from anybody. And I looked down, and there were a couple of Amazon River dolphins. They were no more than five feet away from my little skiff, and they were just there checking me out. And 
it was one of those moments where it freezes in time for you. One of those rare moments where you instantly know this is going to be with you forever. You're never going to forget this. And so little little vignettes like that are sprinkled throughout my books. Uh, and I think it helps bring them an element of realism. It brings them to life a bit more. Uh, and... and when you do know what it smells like and feels like and sounds like, uh, it, it adds, I think, a, a bit more realism to, to these locations. You uh, always were interested in writing, like even when you were uh, on the Amazon River <laughs> doing oh, your other sure. job? Sure. I, Al and I wrote my first novel about 20 years ago and then the second one about five years after that. Both of them remain unpublished uh, and we should all be thankful that <laughs> <laughs> they're sitting on a closet shelf somewhere. Uh, they're not haven't been foisted upon the literary landscape out there. So I, you know, I had always had an interest in writing. I started writing in earnest about seven years ago, but throughout, from just a very young person, I've always been an avid, avid reader and would read, well, everything, uh, the literary fiction, biographies, thrillers, of course, and going back to Tolkien and Faulkner and Steinbeck and those guys, and then reading Stephen King, of course, McMurtry. Uh, I love Lonesome Dove. Gosh, what a great novel that is. And then Cormac McCarthy and, the, the, you know, the classic action-adventure espionage folks. Uh, you know, Lee Child, LeCare, and Clancy, and Ludlum, and Kessler. And, um, I still have kind of an eclectic reading selection, I guess. I'm, I'm reading uh, Donna Tart. Donna Tart's the Goldfinch right now, oh, yeah. which is a really good book. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, which is, you know, a, a long, long way from the action-adventure thriller. Yeah, that's uh, a big book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I've learned an awful lot from all those authors, including a few of them. They're almost, it's almost depressing where you read it and you go, you know what, I just don't think I'm ever going to write this well. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. And they all had some um, marvelous things to reveal to me, uh, particularly in the last 10 years when I started reading with an eye towards the craft of telling a good tale. And how do these folks pull it off? What are the elements of, of their writing style that that makes us such a, an intriguing tale. And what's your process like? Do you, um, uh, do you like outline your stories or do you just sit down and start to write them? Oh, it's a horrible mess, Alan. <laughs> I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. <laughs> I try. Truly, I try. And, I, and I'm green with envy over the writers. I can't remember which one. Was it Tim Tigner you were interviewing who laid out you know, very detailed outline and said, you know, it almost writes itself. And it may not have been Tim, it may have been one of your other interviews, but I wish I could do that. I endeavor to do that. I do outline scenes as opposed to chapters. A scene may be one chapter or five chapters, but 
And I know the start of the tale, and I know where it ends. I always know that. And I truly do endeavor, starting out, to do a detailed outline uh, that I can follow. Uh, I do do detailed profiles of characters. I get to know the characters really, really well prior to starting to write about them. Uh, But then once I start writing, and maybe it's because I know the characters so well and and how they think and act, uh, sometimes the characters, as goofy as this sounds, they will actually lead off in a different direction because this is how they would have done it. This is how they would act or react to situations. And so the broad outlines there, I, I wish I had the wherewithal to just do what some writers do, which is nail down that entire tale ahead of time, and but I don't. So I tend to slog through it, and the characters will pull me left or pull me right, and I go that direction. But again, I know where I'm going to end up. Sometimes it's just a different route than I envisioned when I started. Yeah, I think it was... Um uh, Kyle Mills, who who took uh, took over for Vince Flynn's Mitch Rapp after uh, Vince Flynn died, he's I think he said he writes his outlines are forty thousand words. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But Kyle, you know, and, it, yeah. and I love that Alan. When you were talking with him, he also said he could go anywhere and write that chapter. Right? He doesn't have to be sequential because he had it outlined. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, yeah, uh, that's not how I do operate either, but <laughs> it's very envious. <laughs> Me um, too. Gosh. Yeah, but uh, so, but your books are, uh, boy, they're doing so well. Um, what do you think is uh, resonating so well with the readers? Well, I'm, I'm very blessed to have just tremendous readership. Um, I think, I think two things. One, the writing style. Now, the writing style is not for everybody, and I do get the occasional snarky note over the gunwale you know, that I they just can't abide my writing style, and that's fine. Everybody's got different tastes. That said, a lot of... I remember one, one reader and reviewer put it as a stream of consciousness, almost. Case Lee is in first person. So everything's through his eyes and in his head. Um, And I do use both lengthy and truncated sentences. Uh, You know, we think sometimes in in very truncated thoughts, and I try to employ that device in my writing as well, uh, being in Case Lee's head. Of course, the challenge in first person as as opposed to third person, is you can only see what Case Lee sees. You can only sense and be a part of what he's experiencing. You don't get to step back and see what else is going on. So it's kind of a downside there. The upside is you get to know Case really well and what his perceptions are of the world around him. Um, and I think the other thing, and again, thank you for for mentioning they've been very successful. I couldn't be more thrilled with them, uh, with the Case Lee series, um, is that 
human side. Uh, I get a lot of feedback from readers when he does have downtime and, and visits his mom and his sister or when he's with his former Delta Force buddies in downtime and just their interactions and how human they are and the concerns and the joys and the celebrations and the pain that everyone has, that everyone goes through. And it also provides sort of a break from high-torque action. You can drive towards those uh, plateaus of just intense action, and then you need a breather. The reader needs a breather. We all need a breather, and you have a little bit of that interaction on a very human level and then pick it back up again a chapter or two later. Yeah, I think that's a nice touch because, yeah, like you said, some of the other books... Uh, the protagonist comes up being a little kind of like a machine versus uh, a human. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And they, and Case Lee is, he has, he makes mistakes, he fails occasionally. Uh, he does have a good, strong moral compass, uh, which is important. But along with that, comes a lot of agony and angst over his actions when he's forced into these situations. Um, but he's a compelling character, I think, and, and uh, the other characters around him, Jewels of the Clubhouse and Bo Dickerson and Marcus Johnson, his ex-Delta Force buddies that he pulls into different experiences with him. Uh, they all bring something to the table, and they all bring their own personal insights and uh, worldviews. And again, you can get along great with someone and, and and love someone, but you're not going to agree on everything. You you have real life interactions, and it's not all fields of flowers out there. So, Case goes through these adventures. Uh, and is acutely aware of the violence associated with them. And I don't dwell on the, uh, I don't do gore and uh, blood all over the floor <laughs> too often. <laughs> uh, but he, as he goes through these adventures and goes through these actions, uh, he's he's very much aware that this is this is not normal. This is not. You know how most people live their lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what makes it such a compelling read, too. Like you said, it's like, hey, I can kind of, even though he's like the Delta Force uh, guy and everything, you're like, uh, you know, hey, he's got a little bit of me in there <laughs> in, his, in his everyday problems. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and plus, I once I've really gotten into this series, Alan, it's gonna, I can see another five, six, seven books coming out of it. Again, just drawing from past experiences. I'm doing uh, the new one that's going to be called The Hawaii Job. And I'm working on that one now. And, uh, you know, and I guess one of the, the, the old adage is, you know, write what you enjoy. Um, I'm certainly, certainly living proof of that. <laughs> So how, how long does it take you from the time you sit down to start to write one to uh, be finished? You know, I I tend to put out a novel every six to eight months. 
I wish I could cut that back. I really do. <laughs> maybe, maybe if I did Kyle's methodology, I could I could pull that off. Where he is, I don't know. Can you believe? Well, that's right, forty thousand word outline. Yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> but I, you know, I I go and I'll get stuck. Well, I'll I'll get stuck at least in, to the point where I'm okay. This this isn't working because this character would do this. I'm forcing this character into actions this character would take. And so, you know, I'll, I'll struggle with those moments and, and work through them. And finally, you know, these are not great mountaintop epiphanies when I do figure it out. Often it's just when I'm out walking the dog. <laughs> and I go, you know, this is going to work. I should do this. And so I, that sort of, uh, meandering thought process, and I and, and legitimate criticism can be, you know, a less disciplined thought process. But it's the nature of the beast, at least in my head. So every six to eight months, uh, with pretty good regularity, so it's dependent upon a lot of things, including my editor. And I have a marvelous editor, uh, David Antrobus, up in Canada, and it depends on his schedule as well. So. Um, I, and I do have, again, these marvelous readers, which I'm so, so grateful for, who will ping me from time to time and, you know, just bluntly ask, how's it going? Where's the next one? <laughs> I, love, I love hearing from them. I truly do. No, no pressure, huh? <laughs> no pressure, right, exactly. No, Got to go walk the dog. <laughs> yeah, that is something the readers I really love get there in their books now, um, versus before you have to had a, wait a while. Now it's just, everyone's just used to having their uh, content right away. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, uh, yeah, and, and perhaps over time I'll get, quicker at it I, I don't know if quicker is the right word but more productive perhaps but I do do an awful lot of self-editing and rewriting and oh gosh beat myself up over certain things but uh, you know to, back to another old adage the enemy of, of good is perfect um, and I've never produced a perfect book and never will but I do I do agonize a bit myself over over uh, facets of each of the novels and, I, and that stretches the time out a little bit as well well it's a good problem to have that you have readers uh, waiting for your next one <laughs> it is and, and, and bless them I'm, they're just marvelous folks and I love hearing from them and you know they'll ask me questions and, and one of the ones I get fairly often is, is Casely going to uh, get married or, or find a partner and I don't know maybe in the future maybe <laughs> so and then for the listeners uh, you have a website uh, where they can uh, read more about you and your books I do it's uh, vincemilam.com v-i-n-c-e-m-i-l-a-m as in Mike vincemilam.com um you can go there. You can also go there and sign up for my newsletter, uh, which I send out irregularly. Uh, I should send it out more often, Alan, but I, it's it's strange. I, I feel like it's an, it's an imposition on people's time. I don't want to be pinging them with stuff that 
that they have no interest in. So I I push a newsletter out every six to ten weeks, maybe, uh, when I have something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to bug people. Yeah, well, I think that's good, though. You know, we get so many emails nowadays anyway, so... <laughs> Truly, don't we, though? Yeah. Good grief. <laughs> Yeah, and so um, okay. So and before I let you go, uh, so your book that's your latest book is the Amazon Job, which just came out in May. Mm-hmm. And then you're working on the next one's going to be in the the Hawaii job. Correct. All uh-huh. right. Okay. Well, before I let you go, Vince, I, I have some listeners who are also aspiring writers. Any advice for them? Um, I think truly um, write what you enjoy. Uh, and work on the craft, constantly work on the craft of writing. That's and, and, and read what other people and successful authors have to say about the craft of writing. All right. Thank you so much for being on the uh, podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. It was good. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.